And a very good morning to you. Welcome to our Sunday podcast. This is your hostess, Nicole DeVincentis, a.k.a. Figgachick911. Feeling a little bit sassy this morning. And actually filled with a message, I think, that's going to give you some, some hope and some courage and encouragement wherever you are. Okay? And, and this is what it is. This is navigating change when the stakes are high, when the pressure is on. What do you do? Like big change. Not whether or not you're going to cave into the refrigerator and go eat the chocolate cake. <laughs> Although maybe that's a big thing for you. I don't know. But I'm talking like big life change. Well, this is like, it's not easy. Changing your life is not easy. And the more you learn and the more you grow... It gets easier on one hand, but then it always brings up lessons that you haven't yet mastered. And it becomes incredibly difficult when those lessons involve interpersonal relationships. Whew, it's hot. It's hot, hot, hot. Right? The kitchen is hot. Here's what you need to know. Okay, this is going to be, this is, this, whew, take an exhale, exhale, inhale, exhale, whew. I can feel the tension. I don't know who's listening to this, but apparently I'm talking to you. All right? Maybe we should do some breathing. Let's do this, okay? Take a step back. Sit up nice and tall. Oh, yeah, we're totally doing this. Take a nice deep breath in. There you go. And exhale. Take another breath in. Inhale. Exhale. Good. Again. Inhale. And exhale. One more time, just like that. Inhale. And exhale. Okay. Now we can get some work done. All right, don't forget about that breathing strategy. When you're getting yourself all worked up, how long did that take us? Seven seconds? Everybody has seven seconds. You can totally do that. All right, remember what happens when you get into the state of stress and overwhelm. You lose your peripheral vision. You lose the ability to hear well and process information logically. You suck at verbal communication. You lose your creativity, you go into survival mode, okay? When you take deep breaths, it actually switches your nervous system from that high-stress state into, it, it works as like a braking mechanism, if you would. It's like, a, it's a nature's chill pill, if you would, okay? And it restores your peripheral vision. It allows you to have that mental calm. It decreases your heart rate, decreases your blood pressure, decreases contractile force of the heart. Like it has beautiful physiologic benefits that allow you then to see where you are from outside the forest rather than standing inside the forest and trying to figure out how you're going to chop down all these damn trees. Ah! <laughs> you're laughing right now. <laughs> I can only laugh. Because I'm telling you, I've been where you are, and I still go to the places where you are. 
No one is ever immune to this. Just when you think you've mastered something, there's always a new challenge. That's part of being human, part of life. And the more responsibility you acquire, personally or professionally, the challenges don't get any easier. <laughs> they get harder. <laughs> and it just really, it, it, it demands of you to, you know, bring your A game all the time. But you got to decide where you want to infuse your energy. You can either focus on the little shit or you can decide to step back, have a bigger vantage point, you know, handle all the bullshit, make sure there's no little tilly bullshit that's occupying your time so that you can focus on bigger projects, bigger things, bigger visions for your life. And that includes having wonderful relationships. However, that translates out inner circle, spousal relationships, familial relationships, obviously a relationship with God, okay? So let's talk about this for real. Let's talk about navigating stressful times when, the, when it's like pressure and you need to make a decision. Maybe this is job. Do I stay or do I go? But I love the people. I kind of sort of like the work, but man, this job is killing me. And if I leave this job, then, oh, my God, now I have loss of income and I'm down in seniority. I'm going back to work in these sucky hours and this, that, and the other. That can happen, right? Perhaps you're in a relationship. You've been in a relationship for a long period of time. Something isn't right there. I can't answer all the questions for you. I'm giving you those forks. Do I stay or do I go? What do I do? If I stay, this relationship, it's, it's, it's something isn't right here. It's eating me alive. I just, I feel like I want to break free. Maybe you do. Or I feel like I can't live without this person. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I can't imagine my life without it. Okay. Whenever you're navigating those times, those rocky times and the pressure is there, you want to be sure that you're making decisions from a place of peace and power rather than fear. Okay, anytime you make a decision out of fear, I'm worried I'm not going to have enough money. I'm worried that I'm going to be at the bottom of the seniority list. I'm worried that I'm going to hurt this other person's feelings. I'm worried that I'm going to never find love again. I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried, I'm worried. You typically don't make the best decision when you lead with fear. Okay, and let's talk a little bit now about being decisive. Okay, so take that content, put it off to the side here for a second, and let's let's talk about decision making. Okay, so turn the page, clear lens here, let's talk about this. So this is what you need to know. You've probably heard me teach this before. I didn't make this up. One of my coaches taught me this one, but this is called the success triangle. This is how successful people make decisions okay and when we're talking about decisions regarding relationships this is not saying that you're a bad person or the other person is a bad person okay this is not saying that feelings aren't going to get hurt right now what I'm talking is the process of making decisions okay which is a very simple process if you had a triangle all right equal shaped on all sides Let's say you drew a line across the top of the triangle and you, in the top portion of it is going to be 13% of the triangle. So it's tiny, tiny. That line is up, up towards the top. 
and underneath that line is what 87% of the remainder of the triangle those percentages the 13% and the 87% are representative of the population specifically how they make decisions okay got my picture perfect okay this is what you need to know 87% of the people in order for them to make a decision have to create something before they're willing to commit I have to have the time in order for myself to join a gym or I have to have all of the money lined up before I'm willing to I don't know open a business I have to have something. I have to have the whole how-to plan scaled out before I'm willing to commit to doing this endeavor. You see what I'm saying? They're actually operating almost from a state of fear. Like they will not commit until they have every single little thing micromanaged and held out, perfectly laid out, all the stars, you know, in alignment, Jupiter in the rising house before they're willing to commit. Whereas the people who are actually in the 13%, these are the top income earners in the whole entire world. These are the most successful people, entrepreneurs, major athletes, you know, big people who do big things. The people and the strongest leaders make their decisions, they commit first and then they create. Right? So that's commit and shut the damn door behind you. That's rip the freaking band-aid off and figure out, you know, whoo, that hurts a little bit, okay. They're very, very, very decisive. Create after you commit. So commit first, create second. Everybody else, the 87% of the population, has to have the stuff there before they're willing to even commit. And you can see the change there. Like, where, who, who are you around? Are you around the 87%? who won't commit until they have all these things in a row? Or are you surrounding yourself by champions who commit first and then create and follow through? Okay, this isn't just shit starters, right? We're talking best case scenario there. So when it comes to the vision that you have for your life, for your business, however this translates out, it's about committing and then figuring out the how to and following through, holding yourself to the line. But when you're in the middle of a bunch of shit, it's like, I'm damned if I do and I damned if I, if I don't. Like, I can't help it, I'm playing this scenario out and this and that and the other. This is why, this is the primary reason why I continue to bring God into the equation when I coach. There's, I, it's not just you. You're not the only person who's sitting on this flipping boat like, oh my God, we're about to drown. Ah! Okay, this is what I know. How do you navigate your way out unless you know what your due north is? I mean, have you ever been out either in an aircraft where you lose situational awareness because it's dark and you, you have like no like awareness of which way the horizon is or in a boat and like I don't know you know north east what, where, where's the moon it's dark it's, there's no sun I don't know which way I'm going like 
how are you supposed to chart your path if you don't know like all compasses are set to what's due north so if you don't have a due north a true north in your life how are you supposed to navigate a course for yourself for your enterprise for your family unless it's based on a due north due north never changes it's constant it doesn't matter where you are in the world it doesn't matter if it matter if you're pointed down towards australia up towards the north pole over to japan like north is north it doesn't change the problem that I have with a lot of teachings in the culture, and please be advised, like I'm no theologian, like I'm not an expert on a whole lot of things, but, you know, God's word is pretty much, you know, that's like do north. You can't position yourself behind people who make up the rules as they go along to fit their conveniences. That's the problem that I see when you fall outside of God's word is you start to rationalize why you do certain things and again i'm no exception to the rule this is like your life change and when you're improving who you are as a person like it's a constant it's a it's a day-to-day -day thing to work and keep yourself in integrity as soon as you say something all of a sudden you turn around you're like holy shit, i just said that and look at what i did yesterday or look at what I'm doing right now. <laughs> like, it's so freaking humbling. So, you know, extend yourself a little bit of grace here. So still aim high, but what I'm saying is you have to have some sort of due north. And when you're in the midst of those changes, the boat is rocky, the path is rocky, and you feel like you're drowning. Who is your due north? What is your due north? That's when your faith becomes so incredibly important. And you just like... You got to call out to the big man upstairs to help you navigate through the shit. Because the pressure is going to continue to build. And if you are one of those people who makes decisions to avoid pain, the problem is going to continue to grow and escalate. Until it eventually, I mean, eventually it's going to freaking explode. It's going to freaking kill you. That's just how it works. It's, it's like, a, you know what it's like? This is like a chest wound. All right, let me give you an example here. Because you know I'm like this medical health, you know, geek. But there's so many parallels here that this is going to help you, okay? So a little bit about, <laughs> a little bit about chest wounds, okay? So this is what you need to know. When you breathe, all right, we're going to go through pathophys. We're going to talk about injury and how to fix this problem. And then we're going to parallel this with your life, how to, how to make decisions. We already talked about how to be decisive, okay? That's the success triangle. We already did that, okay? Next lesson, ding. Let's talk about anatomy and physiology of, of breathing, okay? The thing that you got to do to keep yourself alive, okay? So you know you got your lungs, right? They're like these balloons. And you got air which goes in and goes out. So you like suck it in through your mouth and your nose, it goes down your windpipe, into your lungs, and then you exhale it out. That's the process, simple, okay? You got muscles around your lungs, okay, in your chest, and then there's this big, big muscle which sits underneath your lungs, it's called your diaphragm. It essentially separates your chest cavity from your abdominal cavity, okay? It's a giant muscle. So when you take a breath in, what happens is your chest muscles make your chest bigger, right? Take a big breath in, like your chest grows. Why? Because the muscles are stretching and the diaphragm pushes down. Now when that happens, 
here comes more geeky science. What actually causes the air to come in your body is pressure. When you increase the, the diameter of your chest cavity, the pressure inside of your chest cavity is less than atmospheric, when you're at sea level anyway. And it causes, because everything takes the path of least resistance and things go from high pressure to low pressure, it's like a vacuum inside of there and all of a sudden like all this air rushes in. And then the second that your chest pressure, your, what we call your intrathoracic pressure, is greater than atmospheric, that's the trigger for exhalation. So now it's going from high pressure in your chest out into the environment. Cool, huh? Yeah, I know that's how you like apply science. Welcome to science, it's great. Okay, now here's where it gets screwed up. Okay, so that's normal. That's clean living, that's life. You got oxygen coming in, carbon dioxide going out, everything's all fine, okay? But what happens if you get a hole in your lung? How did I get a hole in my lung? I don't know. Maybe you've, you've okay, here's, here's what happened. This could be gunshot wound, or this is a real story. I, I took care of this guy one time. He was a roofer, and he fell off of like a theater, like a, a movie theater building, like from the roof all the way down to the ground. So we, we fly out there to go get him, and um, we hear that he had popped one of his lungs. That's what we hear, that's what the ambulance crew said. And so the ambulance crew, basically what you do in that situation, if you have a hole in your lungs, it's like a gross description of, of this injury, what happens is that as you breathe in, the hole in the lungs causes the air to leak out between your lung and like the inside of your ribs. So now the air, it's because it's not going out, it's staying inside of your chest, what happens is you continue to breathe, like you still have one other working lung, but then the air continues to come in and every breath that you take, the air leaks out into, into your literal chest cavity and it, it starts to build up inside of your chest. And left untreated, what happens is that you have this gigantic pressure system inside of your chest because of the hole which is in the lung there. And what it does is it actually squeezes your heart, like specifically the blood vessels that, that lead to your heart. Because blood vessels are smushy, right? Like if you push veins in your hand or in your arm, like you give blood, it makes the blood, you know, vessels pop out if you squeeze them, put a tourniquet on. Well, that's kind of like what happens here. So it like strangulates, like there's no blood that can go to your heart. So you actually die from this injury because you had a hole in your lung. So what's the solution? The solutions to relieve the pressure. Well, how do you do that? Well, you actually, you stick a gigantic, emergency is like you stick a gigantic needle inside of some, like through their skin, through their ribs, into their chest, and it acts like a pressure valve and like the air comes back out and the people come back to life. It's a really impressive party trick. I got because they're like awake and then they like fall out right in front of your face and like you like put this needle in their chest and then they like come back to life again. So it, I mean, it really happens that fast. So anyway, so we go to get this guy, all right? And we're told that this happened to him. So he had this, you know, chest wound. He had this pressure. It's called a pneumothorax. So the guys on the ground, you know, they stuck a, a needle in his chest and he came back. And so now we're going to be flying him out to a trauma center. So we get there and uh, this was my first time ever having to do this. Now, up to this point, I had only practiced on pig uh, ribs and like cadavers. 
and I was with my partner Stevie and we knew we were gonna have to put a chest tube in him. Well, the guy's like awake, okay? And so now we were flying, I think we were in Indiana and we were gonna come all the way back to Chicago and uh, we knew that he, we had to put a chest tube inside of this guy. So as we're assessing him though, like he's talking, but something just wasn't quite right. Like as we're sitting there talking to him for a couple seconds, like he's like, you know, I'm starting to feel like I'm having a hard time breathing again, which means like when you have this wound you have to have a gigantic tube stuck in your side to keep the air like coming out and then like the injury eventually heals whatever but you have body fluids that sometimes can clog up the needle that you know they emergently poked inside and that's what was happening here so we decided that we're going to put this chest tube in now normal path of progression within the flight company is to put the person to sleep like give them medications so you put them to sleep and then you give them medications to paralyze all the muscles in the body and then they become totally relaxed, including the muscles that are inside the chest cavity. Well, he didn't need that. <laughs> he didn't need to go to sleep. We actually just had, like, what's the problem? The problem is he's got this chest pressure. We got to relieve the pressure. So in my mind, you know, here's, here's like the algorithm. Can we, do we put you to sleep? and incur the risk of not being able to put you to sleep, paralyze all of your muscles, then we gotta put a breathing tube down your throat, then we start breathing for you. And then for a few moments, we actually worsen the injury because we're, we're breathing for you. Meanwhile, this chest wound thing is still getting worse. And there's a potential that while we're doing this other stuff, you're gonna die anyway. So in my mind, why would I go through all of those steps when I can simply give you a little bit of sleepy medicine to cause you to chill out, put this chest tube in you and fix you without doing any of those steps, without incurring like increased risk of injury or death or even introducing infection by putting another tube into your body out in the middle of some freaking parking lot. Like I did this pretty rapid and it seemed to me like the shortest distance between two lines or points is a straight line, right? So relieve the pressure. So this is what we do. So we put this chest tube in. Now the guy is semi awake, like he still is breathing on his own, but he's sleepy enough where he's not in any pain. So as we're like, you, you gotta like cut through the skin, you're like pushing this tube into the side. I mean, it's, it is gruesome, but I mean, it's what has to be done. The point of the matter is this, there was a lot of pressure there. Left untended to this dude was gonna die. So us as the practitioners, do we come along and do we say, well, it's gonna hurt him real bad and I'm afraid I'm gonna do it and I'm afraid that if I do, he's gonna cry and then he's gonna hate us. No, my job there, I don't care if I'm putting an IV in you, I don't care if I gotta put a chest tube in you, I don't care what it is that I need to do to save your life. If I need to cause you some temporary pain for long-term gain, you better believe that I'm gonna be the one who's gonna do that for you. And it did. And I remember like we got the tube in and the guy was just like, oh. he like exhaled. He's like, I can breathe. And then I shit you not, like we were flying back home and he's like, I wish I didn't have to be laying down here because, you know, I'd like to be able to look out the window and see, you know, what a cool helicopter ride actually looks like. And it was like so funny. But what I'm saying is like he had no regrets. Like he was, he was jiggy with this. Like we, we made him feel definitively better. But 
what we did was we did not avoid the pain. Yeah, we gave him some sleepy medicine and some pain medicine. So, I mean, we could like cut his skin. He wasn't, you know, it's not barbaric treatment here. It was, it was actually the treatment at hand. But the point of the matter is you've got to cure the cause. And that, that goes back to your level of decision and decisiveness. Now, people are going to question you just like they questioned my judgment. We had what's called flight conference. And so our medical director looked at this and he was just like, Nicole, <laughs> it's like the story of my life. Like, Nicole, <laughs> yes, you can't, you can't be putting chest tubes in awake people. And I'm all like, why? <laughs> well, we did. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and awake, I mean like awake, not sleepy, and like not paralyzed, like with the breathing tube down there. Well, it wasn't, you know, you, you took on a lot of risk, and I'm sitting there, and I'm just like, well, he, he didn't need an airway, he needed to have his breathing corrected, like that's what it was. And the funny thing was, is I remember learning from a previous medical director who questioned the flight crew's decision to do that very thing, put in a breathing tube and then decompress the chest. He said, why did you incur, why did you do all that stuff? You may, you potentially took more risk by doing it that way. By trying to take the safe right, route out, you actually increased the potential for further complication. He simply needed reduction of the pressure of the chest. So I remembered that. I was like, you know what? He's totally right. A point A to point B, you gotta relieve the pressure, whatever it is. And you have to be willing and ready to accept the consequences. Just like when we were on that scene, had that guy gone down the tubes, we were ready with the equipment to shove down his throat and take over the breathing for him. Absolutely, 100%. But it comes back to your level of decision. What is my goal here? Is my goal to kind of sort of keep him alive? Or is my goal to have him fucking like get, excuse me, on a Sunday, like back in business and recover now without pacifying and trying to avoid the situation. This is decisiveness. That's the difference between idea inception and execution. This and this. Not this and let me kind of sort of move around here. You see what I'm saying? That's making a decision from fear. Decision from a place of peace and power. Confidence in the level of your training. Confidence in the level of your skills. Confidence that if shit doesn't go your way, you're still going to figure out a way to make it happen and to move forward. Because that's who you are. That's who God created you to be. And you're doubting yourself. Because you're trying to make decisions and course corrections from inside of the forest rather than stepping out at looking at the whole situation at hand. When you pray for God to help you in your life and he shows you the, the areas, this is a mess, this is a mess, and this is a mess. That's how he starts answering your prayers. You gotta take your flipping cement shoes off and allow the man to work. He will always put the teachers in front of you. He will always grant you the wisdom. He will always be alongside you to give you the strength that you need to be making those decisions to live in accordance to do north. Does this make sense now? Even when you have to incur short-term pain. Ah, <sighs> I know. Now what I will tell you is that 
the backstory of where you are, particularly if you have made a habit of making decisions to avoid pain. You come from a long history of abuse. You come from a long history of neglect. You come from a long history of poverty. Whatever that looks like for you, if you have been up to this point operating with expectation of the other shoe to drop, or the other foot to drop, whatever that saying is, meaning you're always used to or anticipating disappointment. That will continue to run your life until you choose to make a decision that I don't want to live this way. Sure, life is easy. You don't have bullshit in your life if you're alone, but no man is an island. So when you're growing an organization, you're growing relationships, you're looking to establish an inner circle, all that is good. You've got to get in alignment with God's word and God's hand on your life. He's going to show you what good looks like. And he will show you what great looks like. And then when you look around at your normal life, you're like, holy shit, this is nothing like God's love. This is nothing like God's teaching. This is nothing like the life that I know that God wants for me. It's not whether or not you have conflict. You're always going to have conflict. There's always going to be storms. It's what you do. It's who you are in the face of your challenges. God's word, God's teaching on your life is more black and white than what we give credence for. It's simply that we're not used to operating that way in all areas. But I would venture to say that if you're on this podcast, you are a person who is decisive in other areas. So it's not that you're not able to, it's not that you don't know how to, it's you just haven't carried those habits over into this area of your life that's not fruitful and multiplying. That's all that's happening. So don't overanalyze it. You're gonna get lost inside of your brain. I tell this to my clients all the time. You're gonna get lost inside of your head. <laughs> gotta yank yourself out you gotta find a way okay when you're lost in that space okay know that sometimes it's the devil like he he likes to do that just to keep you stuck so what do you do you just gotta like be like jesus freaking take the wheel right now man like i don't even know (laughs) (laughs) change your physical location go outside do something you got to get out of there but when you're moving from being addicted to disappointment I don't think that I'm really good in relationships. I don't know, you know, I don't think I could, I'm ever good. I'm ever, we have this job, whatever this looks like for you, you've got to establish a new normal for yourself. What are the people who have the things that you want to have or doing the things that you want to do? Like, how do they do their life? This is the beauty of social media. Okay, and not just seeing the highlight reel. You want to be sure that the people that you're following are real. Okay, like the ones who are transparent enough to show you the dark parts of their life. Okay, this is what happened. This is how I'm operating right now. Here was my growth. This is what I did. This is how I navigated it. I'm not continuing to stay in this low level. I'm not continuing to make decisions based on fear or I'm addicted to disappointment or I'm doing things to try to avoid pain. I'm here and I'm taking these powerful steps to move forward. I know what my due north is. And there's going to be consequences. I'm going to be able to handle the consequences. But it's making that, that power move. And I get it. When you're, when you're in the crux of it, 
it, it can it can be overwhelming. You feel like you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Same thing when I was handling that call with Stevie. We're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. What's going to be the decision? What are we doing? We're putting the chest tube in. Be ready with all these little tools in case, you know, shit goes bad. But this is what we're going to do. We're getting the damn chest tube in. The guy's squirming. The guy's fighting. The guy's like, ah, as we're like trying to put this damn thing in. But as soon as we solved the problem, the problem was that the pressure was inside of his chest and it was killing him. Literally. We didn't sit there and pretend that we didn't notice that he was struggling to breathe. We didn't sit there and pretend like, oh yeah, you know what, if we just kind of sedate him, then his breast will be more shallow and then, you know, the chest will slowly fill up with air rather than continue to build up how it is. No, we called attention to the elephant in the room. This is the problem right here. Did he have this big gaping chest wound? Like, did he have a flap of skin? No, he didn't. It was invisible to the eye. You couldn't see it from the outside. What was it based on? What did we learn? We learned, well, what happened to him? He fell off of a freaking roof. What can be wrong with somebody when they fall off a roof? I mean, think of how many things can be broken inside of your body from falling off of a roof of a commercial building, a movie theater. Your head, your neck, your back, every bone in your body. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's what we're doing. Like, we're expecting everything to be wrong with him. Well, people who got there before us told us, you know, he was talking, making sense. He's moving his feet, his hands, all these things. He was having a hard time breathing. Oh, well, we take a listen to his lungs and we can't hear any air movement on one side. Why? Because the lung inside was popped. There is no air movement. There's only air going in there, but now it's just building up. It's just like a freaking pressure. It's like a, it's like a two liter bottle of pop that you shook up. You don't hear the bubbles in there. <laughs> left untended to, it's going to explode. You know what I'm saying? Solve the problem. But it comes back to your level of decisiveness and having the clarity on what it is that you want, not what it is that you're trying to avoid. This is a tipping point. This is a major growth that happens right here. When you're at that point and you're used to living underwater or barely keep you know, coming up for air and you're still like paddling every single day, every single day, every single day. I'm trying to keep them. Like, like you will fatigue out, dude. You get to the point where now you see like, you know what? I've been living my life just trying to avoid stuff. But now I'm graduating to a new place where, holy shit, I never really thought of what I want to have in this area of my life that's painful. Maybe you're a super producer in your, in your, in your work, but is the interpersonal relationships that have not been congruent and have not been very strong. Not because you suck at relationships, not because you're a bad person, You've never even seen what good relationships are like. So how can you possibly even imagine how to be in one, how to have one, when your perception is skewed? Does that make sense? I'm hitting on this hard because there's a lot of people this week, all of my coachings, everything that I teach in coaching, like it comes in clusters. And so I know when a number of my people are struggling with the same issues, it's, it's, 
it's worthy of a podcast because it's more than one person. Just like if you had a question, that would be worthy of a podcast too. So, okay, but you're not alone in this in this struggle. And again, I deal with very, very strong-willed individuals. So the fact that my people are usually high performers in an area of their life, they're very strong-willed individuals, that's what I attract. And that's why I'm here, to help you course correct. But I've got to give you, like... The high bar, where are you going to? Who's, whose jurisdiction are you following under? Is it common culture? Are you following God's walk on your life? Are you just doing enough just to get by? I see where you are. Like I see that you're in pain. I see that it's causing tremendous stress. I'm here. <laughs> I'm here to freaking stick the damn chest tube inside of you without taking you down this other path of, you know, it's okay. Let's just put you to sleep and pretend like you don't see this and we're going to do this whole other thing and take you on this long distal path. Meanwhile, this thing is coming to a critical point. And it comes down to your needing to be more decisive about what it is that you want. It's not meant to be mean. Being passive and refusing to make a decision is still a decision. I believe that when it comes to relationships, it shows, I think, that you have more heart than what you're giving yourself credit for. If you were a giant bitch or a giant asshole, you wouldn't be having this problem. It would be really easy for you to just be like, you know, skita and see you later. That's not how it works. So if there's anything that you can take away from this, you know, when you recognize the fact that you're like in that mental tailspin, right? What do you do? All right. Step number one, get your shit together here, dude. Like do that. Take some deep breaths. Take a natural chill pill. (laughs) Get your mind cleared. Step back out of the forest and always go directly to God first. These, These major points are not made easily. As you become more adept at this and you get the shit cleared out of your life, it's less of this, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to die sort of a thing. Then you can like, you feel like you're walking with God and you're always tuned in to where he wants you to go. It's not so scary after a while. He will tell you and his teachings are always very clear. Like there's no question about it. When God speaks something into your life, like it's clear, the sentence ends at a period, the end. (laughs) That's how you know it's from God versus anybody else. So as we get ready to navigate our week, okay, I gave you your your to-do actions and hopefully shed a little bit of light on the fact that you're changing. You're changing from being a person who's been operating one section of their life, avoiding pain, into somebody now who realizes that 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 habit, that dimension doesn't serve you. And all that's happening right now is you're aligning what I, what I believe is, is with God. And God is getting your attention. He is saying, you know what? I'm going to show you what real love looks like. 
This can apply to your enterprise or to your personal life, your family, whomever. Okay, I'm going to show you the truth. I'm going to show you what this is really like. You're making things very, very hard. Okay, so come over here and stay in line with me. And once you get to know God and know how he rolls, it makes your navigation so simple. You're able to see things that step out of alignment and you're able to be very decisive with, yes, I'm going here, no, I'm not going there. And it allows you to have that vision of the future that you're not able to see in your head right now because you just perceive it as painful and you're waiting for the other foot to drop, okay? It's part of the process. Be where you are right now, okay? You look back at the past, you realize like how far you've come, okay? Be where you are. There's a space here. There's stuff that just hasn't happened yet. You've not acquired the knowledge or the wisdom or the trust that it's going to be better. This is where your faith comes in. You always have to trust that God has your best interest at hand. He does. But sometimes you got to clean up some of the shit or relieve the pressure not just a little bit, like all the way, so that you can not just kind of sort of stay alive. You want to be like that guy in the helicopter, like, well, shit, like, I wish that I could sit up and look outside the helicopter. I'm in this freaking helicopter. I always wanted to take a helicopter ride, and I, now I'm taped because we used to, you know, put people on the backboard and, you know, tape them down in case they had, like, a broken neck or something like that. You couldn't see out the window. I always wanted to be in the helicopter, and now I can't even see out there. I wish I could be up there. That's what he said. That's what God wanting, what God is wanting to do in your life. Like he wants to let you be in a freaking helicopter if you if you like heights, <laughs> and take you up and see you know everything from up there. But you, <laughs> you got to take your cement shoes off. You got to go through the injury first and let him recover you. <laughs> and trust that the next time you go up, like you're going to be there. You're going to be fully, you know, fully well, everything, you know, business as usual and totally enjoy that ride. And we did prop him up. We put some, you know, towels underneath his backboard so we could kind of sort of see outside at least a little bit. You know what I'm saying? And it's really like, it's, it's that. So embrace where you are and trust that God's going to be with you to assist you in making the changes that you require. All you got to do is ask them. I promise you. Okay? So stay prayed up. Happy Sunday to you. And we will talk to you next time. Make it a great day. Thanks for joining.